You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. I'm your host today, Brandy Stark, and with me we have our guest, Verna Petty, who is a member of the Spirits of St. Petersburg, and she also has a unique experience because uh, we have both been to the Hindu Temple of Florida, which is located in Tampa, and the Hindu Temple itself has a rather unique story dealing with animals. So today's episode is actually going to feature Hinduism, animals, and a little bit of the paranormal. And we will be right back after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 
Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. Okay, we're back. Verna, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. How are you? We're doing all right. Just to give the folks a little bit of your background, you are definitely a member of the Spirits of St. Petersburg, and in fact, you are the co-vice president, which is always an exceptional challenge, I know. And you yourself come from an information technology background with Gateway, and you also worked with Lockheed Martin, so you've got a lot of tech in your background. Before you were here in Florida, you were the assistant director in another paranormal team called the Ghost Research Society of Tidewater, Virginia, and uh, you actually uh, co-ran that group with another one of our guests, Sue Fowler. You investigated a lot of the public and private places up there, and then you came to Florida, and now you're doing a lot of the public and private investigations uh, of the paranormal down here. And, of course, we have something even more unique with the Hindu temple, which doesn't necessarily run in with the ghostly, but certainly has a little bit of the supernatural in it. So I wanted to thank you so much for being with us today and, and for working with us on the whole notion of Hinduism and animals. But uh, let me just say, see if there's anything else that you'd like to add to your introduction. Oh, well, I think you did a wonderful job, and I just wanted to thank you for having me. I, I find this to be a very interesting uh, topic, so I oh, hope we can uh, benefit from it today. I hope so. Basically, what we're looking at is uh, the topic of Hinduism. So Hinduism itself is a, a rather unique religion. It's one of the oldest in the world. It has core values that actually go back to uh, some say as early as 10,000 years ago with the images of meditating Shiva, who interestingly enough is sometimes himself associated with animals, but we'll, we'll get to that. And right. really it got its core values, the direct core values that make it a religion more or less formed around 500 with the writing of the Upanishads, which are commentaries on older writings called the Vedas. Yeah. So Hinduism has kind of this very esoteric and older background, and of course it's very mysterious to some people people in the West. It's one of those uh, religions that after Ramakrishna in the 1800s, pretty much anything goes. I mean, Ramakrishna was this fantastic man who lived as a Muslim, a Christian, a Hindi, you know, a Sikh, you know, and he, he really opened up the whole idea in Hinduism that all roads really lead to God. So it's kind of this uh, pantheistic ideal. And of course, um, well, I mean, he's just a fascinating character if you ever study him, you know, on his own. But I think we're all born Hindi in the Hindu philosophy, so I find that to be kind of interesting. What do you know about Hinduism and its relationship to animals? Well, um, I, it's actually uh, my experience being married to a Hindu uh, opened my mind and eyes to a lot of different things. Um, I know that uh, basically, uh, you know, in Hinduism, uh, animals play a, a large role in their, you know, basic worship and uh, with myths and legends and their use as decorative art, um, temple architecture, you know, um, all kinds of things. So there, there's a lot involved, you know, with Hinduism and, and animals. So I can start anywhere if you'd like me to. I'm not well, sure. Let's start with the concept of ahimsa, which is a very popular one right now. And well, actually, not just right now; it's it's been there in Hinduism. What is ahimsa uh, in Hinduism, and how does that relate to animals? 
Well, you know, basically without violence or nonviolence. And basically, I guess you could say with their philosophy, it's an integral aspect of social, ethical, and I think you could also say spiritual practices. Mm-hmm. And basically, the way you look at it is is that, you know, like non-injury to all beings, you know, not causing pain and suffering to others, and that includes animals. I guess that's what we're talking about today. You know, mm-hmm. having compassion towards all creatures, and basically, you know, without human sacrifice, you know. So this is this is gone back many centuries. So basically, in reference to Hinduism, basically, it's animals, uh, you know, having the same rights as a human being without any violence. That's why you find there's a lot of uh, vegetarian Hindus, because they won't, they won't eat animals. So that basically, in my opinion, kind of explains Ahizma, Ahimsa. I was going to say, I had the wonderful experience of going to India and uh, being able to experience that firsthand. Animals do run free there. You will see cows all over the road, dogs. And everything is uh, live and let live. They coexist together. Excellent. Uh, and I also understand that Hinduism believes in something called the Atman, or soul, and that the soul extends not only to humans, but also to animals. Is that correct? Oh, yes, that is very correct. They do believe that. Yes, they do. As with Buddhism, that also ties into reincarnation, right? Right, and that's what I was just going to say. It's kind of like the different levels. You know, it's like the lowest level and the human being being the highest. So you kind of have to go through these these levels, I guess you could say. I believe uh, with animals that uh, animals have the Atman, but they lack reason. And sometimes something yeah. called, it's a chit, C-H-I-T, but that consciousness that God gives to humankind, that reason that tells us right from wrong. Yeah. And then right. uh, the other major thing is, is uh, a strong language. I mean, animals communicate. Yes, that is correct, that they do believe that they are able to communicate with, with each other. That's a very fascinating thing, because like with a lot of different cultures and ideologies, they don't really see it that way. Exactly. That's why I think Hinduism may be a little bit ahead of the West in some regards, with the idea that animals do have a soul or spiritual presence, and at least have you know, basic intellectual qualities that you don't find. They're not human qualities, granted, and I think almost universally find that as, as not you know, an unaccepted idea, but that on a spiritual level, they're definitely present, and that uh, humankind can actually become an animal and evolve out of animals. Yes, that is correct. That is how they, they focus on this, and that's why they feel that killing, you know, like uh, a living being interferes with its destiny, the spiritual progression, so you don't want to mess that up. You know? Exactly, and I think even on the ghostly realm in Hinduism, as I recall, uh, if somebody dies prematurely, uh, if they die before their time is up, they can also become a ghost trapped on this plane uh, until their time is up, you know, and, and so I would imagine it'd be interesting if, if the same thing would happen to animals. True. Our main focus today was the Hindu temple of Florida, and both of us have been there, and I know the first time I went, actually, I've been going to that temple for about five years. I take my classes there. Actually, maybe it's longer than five years, maybe eight or nine now, you know. Uh, These things seem so recent, but that's okay. And I know about... (laughs) 
That's <laughs> what happens when you get old. But I know about uh, six months ago, I was actually waiting in between classes and I was talking to Dr. Sastry and we'll play a, a clip from him. And all of a sudden I kept hearing this pounding sound, this you know fluttering and, and pounding out. They have some glass doors outside these doors. And I, you know, of course, being a paranormal investigator, my first question is, you know, is that a ghost? And I have to learn not to ask that question. I did not ask that out loud to our, you know, our host, I'm happy to say. But my, uh, you know, my curiosity was really piqued because I had been to this temple many times and waited between classes and, uh, you know, been there on my own. And it's so quiet and I'd never heard a noise like this. So I asked Dr. Sastry and he's one of the chairmen and he's on the board of the Hindu temple. And I, you know, asked him what was going on. And he talked about this white pigeon. And I was just completely blown away by this. But apparently there was a white pigeon that would only associate with the Shiva side of the building. And he was so persistent. He would sit on a statue of Shiva, who is one of the major Hindu gods, outside of the temple. And he would watch the rites, apparently, whenever they did uh, worship for Shiva. He would he would sit outside the glass doors and he would watch. And I was so curious about this pigeon that I actually went outside and I saw it. And the odd thing is that this pigeon was a pure white bird. And, you know, I'm thinking, well... It was almost like a big dove, actually. And I thought how odd that was that not only did they have a bird that was associated with Shiva, and Dr. Sastry said that mythologically, you know, the religious aspect shows that the bird, the pigeon, and Shiva are related, but that it was pure white, and it was right there, <laughs> right outside the building. I mean, it was just, it was one of the most eerie coincidences or eerie religious aspects. I mean, I, I, the skeptic will always be there, but I don't think it was a coincidence. I think there was definitely the religious grounding for this, but... You know, and this bird was so friendly, and I would look at it, and it would come out. They had actually put a nest up for it because it was so persistent and sitting on that statue that they put a basket out for it so that it wouldn't mess up the statue. And uh, he just stayed in that statue and in that basket, and when I looked at him, or if I talked to him, he would look back, and he would get out of the basket, and he'd, he'd kind of preen himself a little bit. And I remember as we went around the temple, at one point he kind of flew to the front corner, over another of the Shiva family gods, and of course he's outside. So, but it was the front of the temple, and he was still watching the class, and he was preening, and he was very proud of himself. And I was just fascinated with that. It gets even more interesting because I asked Dr. Sastry a little bit about the mythology. Why is the pigeon so significant to Shiva? And uh, his response was that there was a couple of stories associated with Shiva and the pigeon. And I ended up doing some research, and I discovered one of them. I found two, but the one that I really love is this one. Shiva and his wife, Parvati, were talking one day, and Parvati wanted to know the secret of creation. So Shiva agreed to tell her after she asked several times. And he took her to a cave, and he built a fire, because the fire was supposed to drown out their conversation. Mm -hmm. And the cave, of course, took him away from society. And he put down a deerskin rug for them to sit on. And when he put down the rug, inadvertently, and of course, I always love this, because Shiva is one of the three major gods, so did it really inadvertently cover? But anyway, it inadvertently <laughs> covered a pigeon egg. And he told Parvati the secret of creation after he'd gone through all these attempts to keep it quiet. And oddly enough, I believe that she, if I remember correctly, she fell asleep. And she never did learn the secret. Oh, well, nice warm fire, I guess, sitting next to your husband. It must have been very lovely. So what ended up happening, though, is that the pigeon egg apparently was 
conscious enough to hear yeah. the story. And the next day when Shiva and Parvati left the cave, the egg hatched and out of it came twin pigeons, which as far as I know, that's pretty rare in and of itself. I don't I don't know of any twin bird stories. Do you? Where two no, birds come out of one egg? Not a one. <laughs> But I, oh, I thought it was great. You know, it's that Gemini thing right there. And because of the pigeons and, and they heard the story, they were divine. Just hearing yeah. the story of creation made them divine. And yeah. so they were forever associated with Shiva. And apparently in South India, there are a lot of Shiva statues and Shiva temples that have pigeons that just apparently are attracted there, you know, through this supernatural connection. Namaste, I'm uh, Dr. Sastri. I'm one of the board of trustees of the Hindu Temple of Florida. I would uh, like to tell my experiences um, regarding the uh, some of the events which I could not explain clearly. And uh, one of the events was in the, about three years back when our uh, temple uh, was uh, inaugurated. We had a saint uh, who came from India and uh, he inaugurated the temple. At that time, we, we were supposed to have a helicopter loaded with the flower petals. That helicopter was supposed to shower the petals on the temple. It was strange that he missed it. He could not, he missed the direction of the temple and he was circling somewhere else and he could never make it. Whereas there was a bald eagle which was uh, circling around the temple and uh, we saw it three times for sure. And then uh, uh, in fact, I have even recorded it. And then uh, that was really, uh, uh, to us, a thrilling experience because we believe that eagle is the vehicle for Lord Vishnu, who is the, uh, the, the chief deity of the temple. The next incident I want to relate is, we had a beautiful white dough which used to come and uh, on Mondays when we were praying the Lord Shiva and uh, it used to always sit and look at the, the deities uh, and also the devotees who were doing this constantly. In fact, it used to sit on top of the Shiva's idol and uh, it, it happened for about, I think about four weeks or so. And in fact, we had put a small basket for it to sleep there and it used it to the winter time conveniently. But unfortunately, after some time, it was found dead in one of the events and uh, again, we don't know, maybe it was attacked by the doe, uh, by the, the eagle, but uh, surprisingly, about after about, uh, about a week or later, in less than one week, we saw a huge eagle's nest appear on top of the, uh, our big tower and it is still present now and we can't remove it because it is a bald eagle's nest and we have a huge bald eagle sitting on top of that and uh, it is very interesting I, I can't explain why now time for something really scary a word from our sponsors paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot don't run away your dog some thought with dog thoughts it's the iphone application that everyone's talking about what do you think of this a man in davis california says he's invented an application for the iphone that claims 
It can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. <gasps> on your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Join us every week on Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. We're your hosts, Barbara Heinrich from Good Birding and Robin Schwokas from the Leather Elves. How do I learn more about my parrots? Spread your wings and get ready to fly. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. That just kind of blew me away. I mean, what do you think of that story right there, that myth of the the pigeon and Shiva? Well, I find it quite fascinating. As I was saying earlier, I did have the opportunity to uh, visit India, and uh, we did go to several temples that were no longer uh, being used for practice, so you could actually go and, you know, visit the temple, walk inside, look around. And yes, this is true, you know, um, my husband is from South India, and uh, I, you know, now recalling, I actually have some photographs where there are pigeons, you know, and it's kind of ironic because when I heard this story and actually saw their basket, because uh, we do we do attend the temple there, that it was quite fascinating and it's coincidental with this, you know, with the myth, the story, and then all of a sudden this pigeon shows up at a Hindu temple, you know what I mean, and hanging around the statues. So I, it's almost yes, it kind of kind of falters on the supernatural there because is there a connection there? 
spiritual, mm-hmm. social, religious, what's happening? And the bird continued to stay there. And so to me, it's quite fascinating that here we have a myth that's probably very old. Here we are in the U.S., there's a Hindu temple and in the middle of Florida somewhere, and this bird shows up. And so I think it's quite fascinating, the intricacies there, because, I mean, with Hinduism, like we talked, animals are very much apart. And that being said, Shiva and the pigeon, and the story that this pigeon has decided to basically make its home there. So I think I think there's some correlation. I really do believe that. Well, and I know. I visited the, the temple a couple of times in between, and uh, it was still there. I mean, it voluntarily stayed. Yes, you're correct. I understand that they, I think, were actually feeding, I think, help keeping the pigeon maintained, making it comfortable. Yes. <laughs> and which I just thought was great. And yes. I know the last time I was there, I was a little disappointed because I called ahead and I, I asked about the pigeon. And I was told that the pigeon was found dead. And I was so broke my heart because he was, he was the sweetest bird. I swear he really was. But the irony is that the temple was now hosting a new bird. And they thought perhaps, they're not sure, they don't know what got the pigeon, but they thought perhaps that this new bird might have been the one to kill the pigeon. And the irony is that the other bird that was uh, hanging out there was the eagle. And the eagle is what's known as an avatar or a vehicle for Vishnu. And Vishnu is, is the other really strong main god that's worshipped in Hinduism. You have uh, the Hindu trinity of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. There we go. Brahma is kind of this formless, nameless god who becomes more knowable in the form of Brahman, the creator. And then you get Vishnu, who is kind of a preserver. Uh, and he's an interesting figure right there because he shows up as an avatar. He, he actually comes to Earth in human form at one point uh he has the ten incarnation and he actually comes as an animal for the first several one of my very favorite vishnu stories is the story of manu's code in which manu who's kind of this noah ark noah's ark figure survives a flood because he's out bathing and a fish swims into his hands and he catches it and the fish says you know if you save my life i'll save yours manu's a smart man he knows that most animals don't have the ability to speak but when you have a giant or well it's not this point giant but you have a talking fish with you and you might want to pay some attention to that you know true and it's true <laughs> now we have billy bass you know those those horrible singing fish so unfortunately you never that, know. That, that, that he kept the fish in a in a bowl essentially in his house and it grew too big and he put it in a pond and it grew too big and he put it in the ocean and when it hit the ocean it said okay it's time to build your raft buddy because the world's going to flood and yep. you know as this fish Vishnu actually towed Manu to safety towed him to an interestingly enough to a mountain and saved his life and so Vishnu has this association with uh, he goes from the uh, fish and then he's a tortoise and a boar and then he even shows up as a man lion half man half lion yep. in one, one yep. instance yep. Then he's a pygmy, and then he goes from the pygmy to, you know, various human incarnations. Rama with the axe, Rama, you know, you end up with Krishna, even Buddha, which I think is, that's a great tie in in Hinduism. Everybody's Hindi, including the Buddhists. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Buddha is an avatar of Vishnu, and, uh, which I just think that, that that's very, very clever. And then, and then you end up with the 10th incarnation, which we're still awaiting, who, interestingly enough, will ride on a beautiful horse, brandishing a sword, and will uh-huh. be announcing the end of the world. I mean, how perfect right. is that? And, and how well does that fit with Revelation, which has you well, know, the four horsemen? Well, yeah, it does. You know, it does parallel that very much so. 
Absolutely. And then you end up with the Shiva character, and Shiva is the destroyer, but he's not. Everybody thinks, you know, Shiva's this fearful character. He can be, but he's also the god, and this is why I like him too. He's the god of uh, gurus or teachers. He learned meditation. Yeah. Uh, so he knows the meditation. His son created the sacred syllable, the Om, you know, and he also has incarnations that he takes to save the world, uh, because he's not just a destroyer of the world, but he destroys evil or the things that hold us back. Exactly. So you know, you have this intricate mythology, and let me just phrase this before I get too much further. Mythology, in in the sense that I'm using, actually means a religious narrative. So I'm not saying this is a false story. Right. I am saying that it's it is a cohesive religion. <laughs> But within mm-hmm. that, uh, in the academic world, you could technically say mythology and not mean. Unfortunately, 1970s ruined a lot of things, including the term myth, because it was it was yeah. paralleled. You know, you have your your myth and your fact, and that is not the case. That's a complete misuse in in this mm-hmm. case. Uh, but it was just so interesting to find that this you know this pigeon uh, not only stayed on the sheep side, but just seemed to be so attentive and so personable. Yeah. You know, this to me was just absolutely amazing. And of course, one of my other favorite stories, uh, the second story that I did find with the birds, uh, is that Vishnu was very proud of the fact that he manifested as a man lion because he was, you know, proven a point. And there's this very intricate story that talks about how there was this man that had what's known as a boon. He had a promise from heaven that he could not be killed by man nor beast, anything born of woman or feminine, a female. No weapon created, not during day or night, not inside or outside, and not on the air or in the land. And so uh, he became very arrogant uh, himself. And Vishnu said, well, I'm going to take care of that because the man had this son who was devoted to Vishnu. And the, this evil guy kept you know, threatening his son and was going to kill him at one point and you know he even his son was so pious and so devoted uh, that you know the father was enraged and he said well where is your god you know he hit his fist against a column and that birthed this man lion exactly and yep. so he, he was a man and a uh, animal and he was not born of human he had claws he fought the guy dragged him to a doorway put him on his lap waited for dusk and then killed him <laughs> i mean yep. Wow. So Vishnu's feeling really, really proud of himself on this one. And Shiva shows up and he says, well, yes, that's good. But remember that pride, pride is an evil. We can take pride causes the ego. And the ego is is kind of this cause of of many difficulties. So what he does is he one-ups Vishnu. He says, well, you became a man lion. I'm going to become a man lion bird. And he does, you know, to kind of put Vishnu back in his place. So there are these two myths that actually deal with both gods. And the odd thing was that Vishnu, and I I wonder about this, did Vishnu get his revenge? (laughs) Because Vishnu's bird is the eagle. Yes. And you saw that beautiful nest. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I was almost in shock when I saw that. My husband and I had uh, gone to the temple for puja, and uh, I couldn't believe it. I was almost like, is this for real? You know what I mean? Because it's just so ironic. Yeah, and this this was a big nest. And I think they it thought it was, it was a rare eagle, and they thought it might be a bald eagle. I'm, I never did get to see the eagle. but it And it was this magnificent. I mean, how big do you think it was? Because it was way up on that tower. Oh, it was very large. I wish I could tell you dimensions. I would think at least three feet wide. It was pretty large. It was. It was huge. So it was. And the irony is, if that eagle actually killed the pigeon, 
how do you interpret that? You know, was well, that Vishnu getting his revenge? I don't know. It could be. I've read some stories about that, too, where it happened that way. You know what I mean? Another uh, myth or legend, I was actually trying to locate some more information about that, but was unable to because I had heard this story. And uh, because, unfortunately, I hear a lot of stories. From what I understand and what I've been told by my in-laws is that a lot of this is word of mouth. You know what I mean? It's stories okay. being told throughout the ages, through the you know, families. Hinduism is taught this way. Right. It's not necessarily everything is in a physical book. So you're going to have these stories. You know what I mean? You're going to hear these legends, these myths, these stories, and they're coming word of mouth from generation to generation. So um, I, I wish it was easier to find, and I know next time when I go to India, I'm definitely going to ask a lot of questions because um, this is absolutely fascinating um, because I don't know if we could use the word symbolism here with the animals, you know what I mean, associating with the gods. And so it is, it is, qu- it is quite fascinating. I have not been to the temple in the last couple of weeks, but I know like about, I think it was about two weeks ago, I think that the nest is still there. I believe it's still there. Wow. Now, I know for the spirits, you are also a sensitive. You're, you're one of our yeah. sensitives, and you're able to sense things. And, and we had talked unofficially, and I never did get to hear the whole story, so I'm really curious about this one. You said that when you were at the temple, you, you sensed something. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure, sure. Um, this is not the first time that I've had this experience at this temple. Normally during certain pujas and sometimes or if we arrive after a puja has been done, I will pick up an extreme amount of positive energy and it's almost like it's flowing through the temple. I don't know how to explain it to you, but it's a very, this feeling is a very clean feeling, almost like you've been cleansed. It, it, is, it is unbelievable. I've talked about this to my husband and to my in-laws, and they say that I've, I've got a, you know, I'm very fortunate. I have a really great connection with this. And so I would not necessarily say, like, use the term haunting. It's not that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's some sort of spiritual connection there with God, I'm assuming. But it's very prevalent in that temple. And every single time that I have been there, this, is, this has occurred. And when I leave there, I feel, I feel a lot better. Excellent. Yeah, it's amazing. It's really hard to put into words uh, to describe. It's not something you can just come out and say. It feels like a sunburn. You know what I mean? I'm pulling it out of the air. But it is quite amazing, and you can feel it. It's a very, very, very grounded, good feeling. And uh, I think if anyone had the opportunity, they should go. It's amazing. It's an amazing place. Yeah. And that, that might even explain the attraction it has to animals. As I said, it's been there for... I believe at least 10 years, if not longer. Uh, I remember when it was a one-story building before they made it into this big elaborate building. And, and it would explain why they are now starting to get, you know, these animal interactions. And, and yeah. maybe uh, the Tampa Bay area is integrating to the temple and the temple is integrating to the Tampa Bay area. Maybe there is that connection that has begun, but it is just fantastic. But I wanted to thank you so much for being on the show with me today, despite our on and off technical difficulties, we made it. Uh, yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to add as a kind of a conclusion summary? Um, well, I think we covered quite a bit, but honestly, you know, there's a lot more to this, more detail. I wish we had the time to really sit down and talk about this a little more because there is so much about Hinduism and about animals and about 
just myths and legends. It's also very fascinating. It's a very intricate religion, and it's more than just going to the temple, seeing statues. You know what I mean? Things that are just like basically there. There's a lot. There's a lot of wonderful and good things about the religion, and so I, I would definitely advocate to anyone who has an interest in doing some research to do it because it is it is quite enlightening. No matter what the religious aspect, you know what your focus is. Absolutely, and it is actually growing in America right now as well. So we're we're going to start seeing a very strong emergence, I believe, of this religion as we go. I again want to thank you so much for joining us, and actually, perhaps we'll do a Hindu temple part two, where we can talk a little bit more about animals and Hinduism, because I think it it really is a fascinating idea that I think some of the listeners would really enjoy. Yeah, so excellent. So basically, um, my only other comments for today are to please remember to support your local rescue groups. I I always advocate Pug Rescue. You can find out more about Pug Rescue on www.pugrescueofflorida.org. It's an organization. And also, if you'd like to learn more about uh, the paranormal and and or pets, we actually have a, an article featured on the Spirit site on animals and ghost hunting, uh, as well as uh, I have taken a couple of the pugs on paranormal investigations. And we're probably going to actually start a paranormal pets page, a hub of information. Please go to uh, www www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com We thank you so much for listening today and uh, as always we look forward to talking with you again next time. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com.